Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone, the Bastards are back for this midweek edition of the podcast. We are downloaded in over 30 countries across the globe and available on every major media platform. For everyone listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show if you have not already. Nothing you do will help us more immensely. A quick disclaimer for anyone listening for the first time, this is not a Homer podcast. We will call it as we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting utterly destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. The Red Sox just wrapped up a four-game set against the Minnesota Twins, winning the series three games to one. The win streak is over, ending at nine games. If you want the glass half full, the streak of series wins continues on at three. The Red Sox will take on the Chicago White Sox in a four-game set, weather permitting at Fenway. This weekend, news from around the league, Padres superstar Fernando Tatis Jr. will likely be activated on Friday. He has been sidelined with a shoulder subluxation. Giant starter Johnny Cueto is headed back to the disabled list with a lat strain. He was off to a hot start, pitching to a 1-8-0 ERA. This is his final year with the Giants under his current deal. I am Terry Cushman, joining you tonight from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter, at CushmanMLB. As always on this midweek show, I am joined from Denver, Colorado, by way of uh, Quincy, Massachusetts, by Andrew Dwan. Andrew, how are you? Doing great. Enjoying this uh, nice run we've been on here. Yeah, you must be in heaven because you know you're the eternal optimist of this crew, and uh, I even you couldn't have imagined a start this hot. I would. I said seven and three out of the gate. Um, it wasn't looking good after the first three, but it's it's come to fruition, which is nice. Absolutely. Also joining us, I've always wanted to do a show with this guy. It hasn't come to fruition. Uh, One of my good buddies, he's from Fall River, Massachusetts, which I believe is the home of Jerry Remy. Mark Chikaris is with us tonight. He's the host of the Loaded on Lansdowne podcast, which, like this one, is available just about everywhere. Mark, how are you? Sorry, great to be on the show. Appreciate you having me, and uh, this is long overdue, my friend. Yeah. You know, we were supposed to go to a Red Sox game a couple uh, years ago and circumstances kind of uh, kind of canceled those plans. And it's probably a good thing because we'd be banned for Fenway for life. You go to a game with me, <laughs> I'd be picking fights with people, you know, especially, you know, sitting sitting out in, in center field. The Dodgers game too, Terry. It was. Oh, and you know what? I did end up going to that series. I can't remember if it was the same game we had scheduled for, but uh, I was there. 
and uh, was right behind home plate, actually. And uh, I, it was an ESPN game, and my friends were taking pictures of me uh, every time they saw me on the TV because you could, yeah. I, I got so many stories from that game, but we got a long show, so uh, I'll just kind of <laughs> just kind of get right into it. Uh, so another great series, despite the fact that the uh, sweep did not happen and the streak ended, but there's there's certainly plenty to talk about. So getting right into studs and duds, Andrew, you're in the leadoff spot. Who is your stud for the series? All right, my stud is a guy that kind of stumbled out of the gates this season, but has since righted the ship. That's Darwin's and Hernandez. Um, thought he looked great. I don't think he let up any hits in his three appearances. Had a couple holds. And honestly, today I was a little disappointed that they took him out. I really wanted to see him continue pitching tonight, but um, he looked as confident as he's ever looked. He commanded the zone, which has been really the key to everything because uh, we know he's got the stuff. It's just a matter of where that stuff is going. And this series, it was going over the plate, and the guys weren't touching it. So um, he was my dark horse for their closer position. I didn't think he'd start the year in it. thought he might finish, but obviously with how Barnes has been lately, um, I don't think you know, barring a trade or an injury, that's going to be the case. But if this is your new eighth inning guy who's a lefty and tough as hell lefty, this is a great development. Absolutely. Mark, uh, thoughts on Darwin's in? Yeah, I, I agree with you, Andrew. Um, you know, the biggest question mark for this guy is his control, right? Um, his composure. Um, and when he is, when he's right and when he's throwing strikes, I mean, he he is that stud, and that he's everything that we hope for. And I love him in 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 a relief role. I know they, you know, he's he started some games, but you know, I'd love to see him come out of that bullpen and just be dominant and and throw strikes. But he has to throw strikes. I mean, I mean, we all know this, right? I mean, he ha- he has to throw strikes. Um, you know, as, as a relief pitcher, you can't go up there and walk people and, and put people on base, but. Um, to your point, he looked really good this uh, this series, and hopefully it's a sign of things to come. I don't think he gave up a walk at all either. Uh, I don't have uh, all of his stat lines, but he was busy uh, appearing in a lot of these games. And so that that's huge because, like Andrew said, the walk rate has been uh, a huge issue. And... I said all winter long, I do believe this guy will be the closer eventually. I'm maybe perhaps a little less confident in that because Barnes has been phenomenal and it's going to take more than one or two bad for performances by Barnes to to get Hernandez into that ninth inning. But long term, I still do believe that that Hernandez is the closer of the future and... He looked excellent. He looked excellent. And uh, one of those games, he just came in, I think, for one out. There were one or two runners already in scoring position and just looked as relaxed as can be and assassinated that that one batter and, and, and looked absolutely great. Mark, who is your stud for the series? Uh, my stud for the series is uh, Alex Verdugo. Um you know, he, he kind of kept it up today. Uh, when I first did my prep for the show, Terry, you know, I just, I, I did it earlier today. 
before the game started, and I was going to kind of add on to that today. But I mean, you look at it. He raised his average when he start when the series started. Uh, he was hitting 194. Um, by the end of today, he was hitting 271. He hit 500 the last three games of the series. Uh, again, that huge hit today, that three-run double. Uh, I was listening on the radio. I was kind of watching and listening, and you know, I had some stuff to do with my daughters, and but I was always plugged in, whether it was on my phone or whatever. And uh, you know, you know, today's game was a disappointment. You know, I thought, I thought they had that fight in them, and I thought they, I thought at one point they were going to win. But that three-run double, man, that was that was so huge. Um, it looks like he's coming back. Um, eighth inning, you know, super clutch. You know, I think the Sox offense was really listless before that. Uh, they get a couple of guys on. He really came through with a clutch hit. Um, he gave him a chance. In the series, he had a home run, six RBIs. Uh, it's just good to see him get going. I know he's psyched to play in front of, uh, you know, the Fenway fans. He said it last year. It was a little weird uh, not to do it. But I think he, you know, look, he's no Mookie Betts, but I think he's going to be a fan favorite here eventually. Um, and then, of course, he had the uh, game-saving defensive play in game three. You know, he kind of, you know, did his best Andrew Benintendi kind of impersonation there from uh, the ALCS uh, against Houston in 2018. It was a great play, and, you know, he, he saved the game. A little bit more on that later, though. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Andrew, thoughts on Verdugo? I mean, this was the first time that his brother was able to see him in person in a Red Sox uniform, and he did everything. He showed him it all. Uh, showed him on defense, was hitting rockets all over the field, pulling him for home runs, going down the left field line. That was great. Um, like he said today, he was locked in. He thinks this is what it would be like to be on Adderall. He was that locked in, was his quote. Um, <laughs> you know, you – you face a lefty like Taylor Rogers who's coming at you with a three quarter arm. And that's, that's not easy at bat for a lefty. So you kind of were thinking, do we pinch hit JD Martinez here? It's like, it's a lefty. The game's on the line. It, I mean, Verdugo has been hot, but you know, it's JD Martinez, but he came through locked in 10 pitch at bat, which is unbelievable. And then he ropes it right down that left field line, gives them the energy they need. Uh, he really can't ask for him to do much more. Uh, I think I tweeted out he's, you know, playing like a $30 million a year player, and he's only getting paid 650000 So what more do you want at this point? He's, he's back to where he was last year, and he's just going to keep going and taking off here. I boldly picked him to be the American League MVP. And – Will it go to Mike Trout? Probably. So I'm going to say if he's in the top three, it still counts. Um, he's just been absolutely a spark plug since he got here. Got off to a bit of a slow start, had a bit of a slow spring training, but he's absolutely locked in. If there's a big at-bat late in the game, Alex Verdugo is the type of guy you want in that spot. And... The moment isn't too big for him and starting pitcher there. Michael Pineda, I thought we were going to we were gonna have a, not necessarily a field day, but I, I didn't think we were going to have trouble scoring off of him. And he just absolutely kept us off base for the most part. And he looks like CeCe Sabathia. I'm like, I'm like, for a second, I'm like, did, did, did they sign him? Did he come back? Sabathia? And I mean, and 
Pineda, you know, it, it only took two batters into the first inning before Remy and and O'Brien were already talking about the time, pine tar situation. And then, of course, they had the, you know, the the highlights from it on his neck and whatever. And then I'm starting to think, did he is he eating the pine tar now? Like I I don't know. He just he's a he's a big boy now, and uh, he he got through I think seven innings and. Um, looked really good and and uh up right up until Verdugo um cleared the bases and the hilarious thing about that was their left fielder was a defensive replacement that garlic kid and just completely mishandled the baseball and, and allowed that third runner to score so I thought I thought Verdugo single-handedly was going to keep the streak alive as fate would have it, and we'll get into it. Um, you know, it, it fell apart in the ninth, but but Verdugo is, is one of my favorite players. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to be saying it all season, and I might be saying it for the rest of his contract. There is no difference in terms of winning a championship. The odds of winning a championship do not change whether Mookie Betts is in your lineup or Alex Verdugo is in your lineup. They're both going to help you win. Yeah, Mookie's a little flashy. He's going to win more MVPs. He's going to be a first ballot guy to Cooperstown. But Alex Verdugo is going to be extremely productive. And I'll also boldly say, if it's the month of October, give me Alex Verdugo 100 times out of 100, because that guy's got October written all over him. Mookie Betts is starting to get better numbers in October, but he hasn't been a, a hero in that month. In, in any of his playoff appearances and and he's he's been to the playoffs four or five times by now so excellent pick with uh verdugo some honorable mentions for the series xander bogarts five for 14 um didn't really drive in any runs but had a hit in every game and was just kind of quietly productive at the plate uh rafi devers was pretty good all except for today where he had um he was 0 for 4 with three strikeouts but was uh cranking in the other three games had a home run in the um in in the first game of the series so uh nice to to see some continued uh momentum there not a whole lot to complain about with with starting pitching. Perez got off to a tough start, two in uh, two runs in that first inning, locked locked in pretty good after that. Only struck out two, but um, kept us in the game. Avoldi, same thing, just uh, you know five innings, two earned runs, gave up five hits, walked nobody. Eduardo Rodriguez. Pretty pretty stout for his uh, second start of the year, especially with the dead arm issue. He only gave up an earned run. Garrett Richards had kind of a wonky uh, second inning today. Alex Cora had to get the bullpen warming up. But other than that one inning, the other four innings were outstanding. And uh, it was definitely his best start of the uh, year so far. Any uh, Any thoughts on any of those clusters of players, Andrew? I mean, we look at the pitching and it's just a carousel of five innings with one or two runs, and that's going to be all you need this year. Um, they have plenty of pitching depth down in uh, AAA, so if they need a couple two- to three-inning guys to you know lock this game down, they have it, and that could be the recipe to this team. Uh, the beginning of the Air Balloon and Chorus said, um, we're going to have utility guys out of the pen. 
you got two guys that can throw two, three innings every couple of days. That's a very short ball game. So I, I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah, we certainly do have a nice, uh, you know, nice set of uh, long guys in there, you know, between Whitlock, Andres, Darwin's in can go multiple innings if they need him to. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's looking looking really good as far as pitching. And the other thing too, you look at this nine game streak. There's only really been one bad starting uh, starting pitching performance, and that was the the first time out for Richards. I know Pavetta got tagged for six runs, but three of those were late, and we were cruising anyway. I think we were up like nine to two or something like that, eleven to two. So. Starting pitching has been uh, pretty stout so far. Nobody has really, really looked terrible. Uh, Mark, any observations from that cluster of players? Yeah, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Martin Perez because, you know, the series started, you know, literally a snowstorm. You know, uh, it, there's snow falling. It's freezing out there. He gives up those uh, those two runs early, you know, but he battled. I mean, he battled, uh, you know, after giving up those runs, he pitched three scoreless, um, you know, bottom of the fourth, he gets that K swinging with two guys on, um, you know, he, he never had a clean inning, but he, he just bat, you know, the weather was against him. You know, I think he set the tone for this entire series, to be honest with you, you know, just uh, persevering, battling, not giving up. Uh, and I think really, you know, I think his teammates appreciated that because you look at the whole series. I mean, even today, you know, it looked like they were done in the water and they battled, um, you know, and, and unfortunately they fell short. But I think, uh, I don't know, I think, you know, everything I'm hearing from, you know, last year he pitched pretty well, you know, overall, it, I think he's got like, a, you know, in his career, he's got, you know, well over a four ERA. But, you know, last year, arguably, he, he was probably their, their best slash most um, consistent starter. And he loves being there. Resigned him. He said he loves being here. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, I, I think that attitude is translating into uh, into some, you know, positive things. And, and, and you know, he's got some grit to him. I, I, I like how he's pitched so far. He's got unsung hero written all over him. You know, he's probably at best going to be a, a number three for the rest of his career. He's still fairly young, has a lot of years ahead of him possibly uh, if he can stay healthy. And so I, I hope whether it's this year or I, I don't know how long his future in Boston will be, uh, but I hope he has some big moments in October because he deserves a lot of love and he's he's a great presence in the dugout and just everything you could want in in, in a – in a starting pitcher. And we've had some dramatic pitchers over the years, <laughs> you know, David Price, Josh Beckett, um, John Lackey was a hothead at times. And to have a guy like Perez who just quietly as a horse goes out there and, and gets it done. Uh, he just doesn't get enough credit. And, and he, he did set the tone and it easily, we could have been four runs in the hole right away and just been grinding the rest of the game. But but he kept us in it, so good observation there. Uh, getting over into the duds side of things, Andrew, who do you have? The umpiring. Um, it was beyond atrocious today. You could make a very easy argument that it cost them the game. 
Uh, you had Garrett Richards who came out, struck out two guys in the first, looked great, made Nelson Cruz look like a scrub. I mean, Nelson Cruz is as good a hitter as there is in the league right now. Um, then you get the second inning, and all of a sudden you have Miguel Sano, three strikes to him, but two of them are called balls, ends up in a walk. Then you got Dahlbeck that needs to try to make a throw to second, doesn't work out. Everything snowballs, and it turns into a two-run inning. So that inning never should have happened. Uh, he should have been out of it at that point because Dahlbeck would have made the easy play just walking over to first base, touching the back, and you have like a 12-pitch inning, and Garrett Richards is on his way to his best start as a member of the Boston Red Sox. But that's not what happens. History's changed, and thanks, Blue, you blew it. Um, I, I just don't know why we can't get these calls right on a consistent basis. We've seen it throughout the league at this point. And then fast forward later in the game of Matt Andreessen, and, you know, he makes a great pitch to get a guy to chase on a curveball, I think it was. And the guy misses it by about six inches. The umpire's like, no, no, it's a foul ball. Tells Cora, don't even bother. Like, uh, this call's not going to change. Remy made a point of them catching that on the mic during the game. And we have replay for literally everything else, but we don't have it for that. And then Cora gets thrown out, rightfully so, because, you know, he's backing all of his guys. He's getting everyone fired up. And I honestly, he took it better than I I probably would have. I would have lost my crap if I were him. And so he gets thrown out. They get out of the inning. But you also have Darwin's in later. Okay, so he's in the game now. He gets a critical last out. Pretty easy, makes easy work of it. Got a couple guys on, strands, two base runners. Great appearance by him. But then you have Will Venerable managing the game, not Alex Cora. Does Cora leave Hernandez in and let him pitch instead of Ottavino? Because he's, you know, on a heater lately, pitching great. Ottavino, the opposite of that. We don't know this because, you know, that's the Will Venerable's first ever appearance as a big league manager. And we can thank the umpires for that. It was pathetic. I hated every second of it. We got to get these calls right. And they're just not. We've seen it throughout the league. And there's no excuse for it at this point. Either make everything reviewable or make nothing reviewable. I don't understand why we have these gray areas. It's like, what the, What are we doing here? Do we want to make the calls right? Then let's make the calls right. Mark, thoughts on the umpiring? Um, yeah. So again, like I said, I was sort of in and out of listening to the game and watching the game. When I saw that missed call, I was, I was out of, out of my freaking head because, you know, we saw it the other day, um, uh, with that play at home plate who was playing, right. They, it was the Phillies and the Braves, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, right. The, the bone play at home plate. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, they got that, they got that one wrong, even after review. So to, you know, to Andrew's point, it's like, what, what are we doing here? You know, if, if we're doing review and we're getting it wrong, then why are we doing it? And look, I get, I get the balls and strike thing as far as like, like regular calls, right? Cause you can't, I mean, that, then baseball is going to take seven hours to play. All right. So you can't be like, oh, that was, you know, a, a centimeter outside. Let's go to the replays. No, you can't do that. But on, you know, a, a, a foul ball strike three, you can't do it. I mean, that's an, that's an out. It's essentially the same thing. I mean, you're not, you're not doing a review on, you know, was the first pitch a ball or a strike. 
you're doing it on what would be an out just like you would in a ground ball to first base and he you know and it was a close play so I, I i totally agree with andrew here i mean yeah you know you shouldn't review balls and strikes but if it's a if it's a strike or a you know or a foul ball or whatever that means that the person's uh, you know not out again that's an out call so i mean i don't know does that make sense to you guys you know you guys know what i'm saying on that one yeah absolutely and it was frustrating and Jordan Baker, the uh, the umpire, did get a little bit of karma by taking a ball to the nuts that careened off of, uh, I forget already whose foot that was. And uh, so maybe maybe that was a little bit of karma. But um, reviewing so many plays, the goal is to, is to speed up games. And that has slowed it down more than anything. And... Maybe they need to cut down on the, on the number of reviews that that need to happen as well. Maybe just limit it to home plate, first base, and home runs. Home runs, you're not reviewing a ton of those. How often do we see that? Maybe once a week. So that's not going to waste a ton of time. Plays at the home plate, you you might get those a little more often, but typically not a ton of review there. First base is common, but. After that, I would just let it go because the other ones, especially the plays at second base, extremely time-consuming, and it it slows the game down. I'd also like to see them let the base runners break up the the plays at second base. You know, that's one of those natural components of the game that shouldn't have been uh, messed with, in my opinion. But but yeah, the, the umpiring does need to need to get better and. I don't know if they're a fan of the robot umps that are probably going to be implemented with the, you know, the AI type stuff, the automated strike zone, uh, because that makes umpiring a lot less relevant at that point. Uh, I'm a big, I'm a big human element guy myself, so I'm not a big fan of the, of the automated strike zone. And a big reason for that, Andrew and I were discussing it privately, I just think, you know, with that Sunday night play, it got people talking. It was a huge topic the next day. You want people talking about baseball. And controversy isn't necessarily a bad thing uh, all the time. So uh, that's just one proponent that, uh, you know, one reasons that I'm I'm a proponent of it. But, you know, with the the automated strike zone, the umpires, like I said, going to be a lot less relevant. Maybe they'll be happy about that because I know some some umpires are sick of the abuse that they're taking from from players, whether sometimes it's warranted, sometimes they're they're just chirping. But um, but yeah, they were wearing bands, I think, last season or season before, like in protest of players, you know, screaming at them. But well, I mean here's an easy solution and it also creates jobs have 30 people in New York watching the damn game. And when they're like, well, that was clearly not a uh, foul ball it takes one second. You buzz it into them. Be like, Hey, you fuck, you messed that up. Like, there you go. That's all you need to do. It not, you don't have to be like, you missed that call by an inch off the plate. None of that. Just be like, all right. Yeah. That guy clearly beat him to first base. It wasn't even in his glove. Why did we do that? I think we had one of those today. We had four reviews. And it's like, why are we having to review all these things? Why are they getting them so consistently wrong? Do we? The umpire union is just too damn strong. we got Angel Hernandez, who has no business being in the league. I mean, guy lost a damn lawsuit because he claimed um, 
he was being discriminated against. It's like, no, we're actually just trying to quality control the World Series. <laughs> you have Joe West, who's not going to give up until he uh, breaks the record. I think he's only got a few hundred more games. Thank God. It's, you know, how am I supposed to expect a 75-year-old guy to be able to, like, eagle-eye a dot down the line in left field? It's not going to happen. Like, these people need help. I don't know what we need to do. If you have technology – Use it. We have StatCast cameras and radars in literally every inch of this ballpark. Just use the aids here, please. They'll probably still get it wrong, though, Andrew. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, like, I won't doubt it. it. It's like, you know, you, you, you know, you can have the robot. Um, Terry, to your point, right? You can do the little box, right? And you can say, well, if it hits this box, da 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 You know, and then, you know, you'll have 30 guys in New York looking at it, and they'll still screw it up. It's just it, you know between between humans and technology, we'll we'll find a way to we'll find a way to mess it up. I just it's like I get the NFL and the NBA like when these refs are running full speed and trying to make a call at the same time, but these guys are standing still, staring at a ball, and they're like, ah, crap, it's gonna be fifty fifty. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think some some are forgivable, but like you said, Andrew, a couple of these were extremely egregious and. I forget if you mentioned it or not, but the the one that that hit the ground that was ruled to be a foul ball, all they had to do was look at the ball and see if there was dirt on it. And, and you know, I know, and I bet Cora did ask. I mean, obviously we can't read lips right now, but I think they're just afraid to and like admit mistakes right now. I don't think they want to overturn these. That's, how, they, that's how they've always been, though. Yeah. They've always been like, I don't, you know, oh, I did. It wasn't me. You know, it's like, <laughs> come on, guys. You know, yeah. I, I think, you know, that phantom tag from Knobloch back in the day, I think that really started that conversation. And mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, the other one with the Yankees, of course, was uh, when they were playing the Orioles in the playoffs and that kid reached over and grabbed it. And I think those two events really started this discussion of, you know, and I like this better than the review, which is the umps get together and they talk about it because you may have seen something that I didn't see. I, I loved that. Like, let's get the call right. But we're doing replay now. It's taking longer, and they're still not getting the calls right. So it's like, it's, and Terry, to your point, human element. Like, there's some, I mean, look at basketball. They, they're always, you know, screwing up calls. And everyone gets outraged, and it's part of the game. And, you know, it's the same thing with football. Uh, you know, still, I don't know. It's, it's get together. You know, if you want to, if you want to even do this, right? Have, uh, you know, have like his crew, you get two guys on the line, you get, you know, everyone at a base, you get the home plate up, just add more umpires. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I, I prefer that than um, this review thing. It's starting to get out of control. Yeah. And Andrew mentioned have, you know, an extra person, well, a person in New York for every game. You could also just post one at the park, maybe up in the broadcast booth off to the side looking at it. And he could maybe mic down to, uh, somebody that's that's wired up i'll say one more thing on that before we go a a lot of talk today about miking up these these umps and i'm a big proponent of that because i think it's going to keep them honest um dave o'brien was mentioning that he thought he heard uh, jordan baker the home plate umpire today say that he wasn't he just simply wasn't going to overturn the call and then when they had the meeting and all four of them couldn't tell an, an obvious ball had not been touched by a baseball bat and and they still get it wrong microphones might prevent that you know so 
So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But uh, Mark, go ahead. Your dud for the series. Okay, this is going to be um, a hot take, unpopular choice because <laughs> he had two saves in the series. All right, <laughs> you know, in the four-game series. But look, uh, you know, well, first of all, the obvious choice I think must have been JD Martinez. I mean, he went 0 for nine, right? He I mean, did. that's he he had a terrible series and then he sat down today. But uh, you know. He gets a free pass because he had, you know, he's been basically hitting, you know, 500 ball or whatever. So, yeah, he had a stinker of a series where it's, you know, 40 degrees. Like, you know, I think he gets a free pass. But in any case, I went with Matt Barnes and here's why. All right. I'm going to go on a rant right now. Okay. I went with Matt Barnes. Okay. So the Sox are up in game three, three to two. All right. It's the seventh inning. It's obviously the doubleheader, so it's the last inning. He comes in as your closer, right? They're up by one run. He walks the leadoff guy, right? So automatically you're like, okay, here we go. He K's the next batter, right? Uh, but Jake Cave, who's on first, steals second base, all right? Because Barnes's leg kick, right, is too is it's too high. They mentioned it on the broadcast, right? He's not side, uh, slide stepping. You know, it's, 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 he's like the right-handed Dontrell Willis. This thing is going up, and he's pausing before he comes to the plate, all right? Uh, you know, his knee is hitting his eyeball. The next batter, Miguel Soto, misses a game-tying double down the line. Did you guys see this by, like, like a, less than a foot? That thing was roped, all right? Just foul. I, when, he, when he hit it, I was like, oh, my God, that's it. I'm like, I'm like, that's it. That's the game. All right. Um, thing was absolutely scorched, uh, but he ends up luckily retiring him. Then uh, uh, Luis uh, Are, uh, Rezas, is that, is that how you pronounce his name? I don't Rezas, even know. <laughs> uh, hits a sinking liner, and that's the one that Verdugo uh, does does the, you know, his, his Andrew Benintendi catch on. Um, you know, he makes a great play to save Barnes's butt again. I mean, you know, it, it was frustrating to watch this guy because I just feel like he gets lucky and he doesn't have the closer stuff. And, you know, obviously your alternative is Ottavino and he doesn't have it either. But Ottavino's a weird dude too because you see his pitches and they're like, they're zigging and zagging. And you're like, how does anyone hit that? But guess what? People do, <laughs> right? But Matt Barnes totally pissed me off this this series. I'm sorry. I don't know. It, I I just felt like he got really lucky, and and it, the Red Sox probably should have split because he got really really lucky. Uh, Andrew, thoughts on Barnes? I mean, I'll get. I, I yeah, he wasn't as sharp as he's been to start the season, but I have. No complaints about him. Other, you know, other than that, he was a little bit shaky. Um, he's been a great, you know, just discovery almost. It's not the same player we've seen. So, uh, yeah, I I have nothing bad to say about Barnes for this series, especially in the holding up the back end with Ottavino struggling like he is right now. Just wait. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not a Barnes guy myself as far as closing. I, I do like Matt Barnes, and I think he's a quality reliever. Um, like Andrew said, he's been extremely impressive, and 
Um, it's going to take a series of, of bad appearances for him to lose that job at this point. And uh, Darwin's is just only now breaking out of it and, you know, going to hopefully eventually make his case. But it's, it's Barnes to lose. I'd be – I'll say this. I'll be shocked if Barnes is still the closer on June 1st. I just I agree I agree Terry. I totally yeah. agree. I think Darwinian's knocking on the door. Yeah. But Verdugo definitely saved his ass and uh you know, but it's it's hard for me to to really kill him outside of that. He he has been he has been pretty stout, but but we'll see. Uh you've kind of touched on my dud for the series a couple of times, stole my thunder a little bit. Um Adam Ottavino just has not looked good. And he didn't look good in spring training either, but was getting lucky and just not giving up runs. You know, there were walks, there was control problems. He just hadn't looked good. And, and Hernandez hadn't either in, in all of spring training, but was getting lucky and not, not giving up um, any runs. And, and Hernandez has kind of turned it around and we're waiting for Ottavino to turn around, but he just hasn't done it. And, Completely, uh, you know, the streak ending is is because Adam Ottavino was was bad, and he had a previous bad outing in the Baltimore series where he gave up the lead, but we came back in a, in a very clutch ninth inning uh, to to keep that streak alive and to keep the the sweep in the series. But today, just uh, just didn't have it, and and. I hope he turns it around because, you know, the Yankees have egg on their face if he does. And um, Whitlock was definitely the, the stud that we got from New York uh, this this offseason. And Andrew also makes a good point uh, earlier. Um, if Cora stays in the game, who does pitch the ninth inning? Because... I like what I've seen from from Hernandez the last few games, and he only did get that one out the inning before. So why not just try to get three more? You know, he was rolling, and this lineup uh, was struggling with with Hernandez. So um, definitely, definitely a bad uh, a bad series, bad appearance for Ottavino. I, I want to say this as well, and you guys can weigh in on this. If we need to acquire a bat. I don't think we're going to need to acquire pen help. I mean, like we said earlier, we're just we're loaded. We got long guys, we got short guys. Our bullpen is fantastic, with with or without Adam Ottavino, and our we got pitching depth. And, and then we're going to get Sale back. You're going to get Hauk in the rotation at some point. And then you're going to get Sale back. I don't think we're going to be in the market for a starter, barring injuries. So if you need a bat at some point this year, whether you want you know a, a semi power hitting outfielder. Or maybe uh, I don't know a corner infielder. Adam Ottavino would be your best trade chip, I think, because if he turns it around and starts pitching well, you, you know you you have a surplus of relievers, and and he's a name, and, and you could trade him, and maybe you throw in a Chavis type guy to to sweeten the deal to get that bat that you're looking for, maybe like a Steve Pierce type guy, but just you know, a little better, maybe a non-platoonish type guy. So that that's kind of what I've had in mind, you know, for Ottavino uh, the last, you know, basically the the last month or so that he could be he could be the the valuable trade chip. But uh, 
uh, Andrew, go ahead. Any thoughts on uh, anything on Avino related? It's been rough. I'm not hitting the panic button yet. Um, again, I still don't think he should have been in the game, and I don't think he would have been in the game if Cora was there. I'm kind of sticking with my guns on that because Hernandez only threw three pitches. Again, he had thrown two innings um, prior in the last couple of games combined, but I don't know. I I don't like Ottavino as a closer. Um, I wasn't really on board with that going into the season. So, again, not hitting the panic button yet, but a few more outings like this, and I want to take him out of the eighth inning, maybe uh, move him to the seventh and try to reshuffle there. Um, I actually liked what I saw out of Pizarro the other day for his uh, first appearance. I've been kind of pumping his tires all year. So, I don't know. They they definitely have some bullpen shuffling that they can do and the pieces to move around if they need it. But let's uh, – I'm, I'm willing to give it a, a – uh, in a few more weeks with Ottavino before I start worrying. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not pulling the plug either, but it's just he hasn't looked good at any point since the starter training camp up till now. And he's 35 years old, too. So, yeah, well, the stuff, you know, he came out the other day and was throwing 97, which looked great. Um, they're hitting him a little more. So, I he maybe it's going through a little bit of a funk. Uh, he's a smart guy. He's, I mean, pretty much self-taught he's taught himself all these weird curveballs he throws so let, get let him get into the lab a little bit and maybe he can uh, come up with a solution here absolutely um mark thoughts on adam Adovino? yeah i mean as far as bullpen depth and and shuffling yeah i mean you you have darwin's in uh you know coming coming into his own and you know Garrett Whitlock was the was the prize of that trade. You know you have Ottavino, the name, but you know uh, Whitlock is you know zero point zero zero ERA, and you know he's uh, he's someone that uh, you know to Andrew's point, you know if if you need to start slipping Ottavino back into the seventh inning, or you know you can bring in a guy like Whitlock and mix in Darwinsian and uh, you know uh, <laughs> my my boy Barnes <laughs> as the closer. But yeah, I think I think the bullpen is strong right now, um, which I'm very happy about because I, I don't know I don't know about you guys, but there's nothing more frustrating than having a lousy bullpen in in, in my opinion in baseball because um, you know your starting pitchers are your starting pitchers, uh, you know, obviously you have your your guys at the front of the rotation who are going to you know give you the innings at least right, and you need with the Red Sox offense, you need guys to hold leads and um, you know, it, it's great to have a good bullpen. You know, you look at the Rays right now uh, and the reason why they're struggling, I think the ERA uh, collectively as a team is 6.28 or something. I think it's the worst in baseball. So, you know, the reason why they're, you know, going down in the ranks is because of their bullpen. Yeah. And actually before I get into the dishonorables, uh, I meant to ask Sengo. Bizarro is projected as a reliever, right? He's not going to start at any point. Oh, yeah, he's he's a pure reliever. Pure reliever. Okay, that's what I thought. I didn't get to see that game, unfortunately, so I didn't I didn't see that uh, appearance. Uh, I wish I did. Uh, but anyway, uh, getting into the dishonorables, Mark already mentioned uh, J.D. Martinez being 0 for 9. Can't kill him. The guy's been the MVP of the league, The you know, coming into the series. 
I I heard I saw somebody mention triple crown, and uh, you don't hear that phrase too often. It's April, but you know you get what I mean. Uh, another guy that was just as terrible, and uh, I I feel guilty about even mentioning his name. Christian Vasquez, zero for ten uh, in the series, did not look uh, very good. Kike Hernandez. Uh, still not loving what I'm seeing out of that leadoff spot. He was two for 13. His career numbers, as I have been at pains to point out, don't even remotely suggest he's a, a top of the order guy, but uh, had a couple of offers to, to start the series. Uh, we would like to obviously see him uh, look a little bit better. And uh, I'm not going to kill Sawamura because he did give up a run today. Uh, gave up a home run, but uh, has otherwise looked pretty stout. So I guess the one thing that can be said for for most of these guys I've mentioned as dishonorables, uh, you know, even though they had a bad series, it was nice to see everybody else stepping up and, and pulling their weight, you know, to take three out of four. But, uh, Andrew, any thoughts on any of them? No, not really. Um, Saul Murray, yeah, you left that home run, but I – I've actually really liked uh, what I've seen out of him. Kike has been <laughs> – he's been super unlucky. It's actually uh, crazy here. Let me uh, pull up a, a stat I saw earlier from uh, Red Sox stats on Twitter. I think he's been the seventh most unlucky batter in the uh, in the league. His expected hits versus his actual hits um, have been crazy. He's been driving the ball, but they've been going right to guys. So – uh, Dahlbeck's been the same way. So hopefully as the weather turns, we actually get some nice weather and not like football weather. Uh, some of these will start catching some wall and uh, start catching some green in the outfield. Mark, any thoughts on any of those guys? Yeah, just to, uh, you know, kind of talk about Kike Hernandez, you know, got a hit today, kind of went a meaningless one for three. I mean, uh, 100 average before today's game. He ended up the series going two for 13 with four Ks, you know, not, not a lot of impact. Uh, you know, he's already getting picked off, uh, not this series, but you know, uh, that first game of the season, get picked, he got a base hit, got picked off. But to Andrew's point, he is driving the ball and people are making good plays on him. Like, it seems like every time he hits, you know, uh, what seems to be a gapper, someone's just like, you know, pulling a JBJ and just like, you know, making a diving catch and just robbing him. So, I, you know, he's the type of guy who you might see break out. And, you know, also to Andrew's point, you have the two guys that were your super studs in the first three series of the, of the year, basically. Um, they cooled down and other guys stepped up, right? So J.D. Martinez cooled off. Um, Verdugo steps up, right? You know, um, Dever steps up and, and gets a gets a bunch of home runs this series, um, you know. But through it all, is my bo- my boy who I love to death. You know, it's just slow and steady wins the race. Is Xander Bogarts? It just you know he's just he just makes it happen. He you know sometimes he's not super impactful, but you know he gets on base and he gets his hits. And uh, I don't know. I love watching him play. You know, I just realized I uh, skipped myself as far as my stud goes. I don't know if you guys caught it or not. <laughs> I didn't mention mine, and what made me think of it was uh, was Kike Hernandez because I said 
much of spring training, Kike is going to be in the outfield. A lot of people expected him to be mostly at second base, probably over half the time. But the reason why you haven't been seeing him at second base was because of my stud, Christian Arroyo, who was 5 for 11 in the series, starting to be a, a spark plug. And he was at the top of the order for at least one of those games, I think maybe even two, and uh, had hits in, in three. Oh, actually, he uh, he pinch hit uh, for in one of those games. So in all of his starts, he had a hit. And um, love the intensity that we're seeing out of him. Love the defense. I don't have any any complaints. He he was also he was the player that was the victim of that uh, that foul ball call, um, you know. But anyway, thought thoughts on him real quick, uh, Andrew. He's been great. Um, uh, he's really taken that position by the horns, which I'm kind of sad. I mean, he's great, but I had kind of expectations for Danny Santana until you know he caught that terrible uh foot infection which i think he's about three weeks from coming back from so it, it sucks he has no options um just because how many position players we do have right now uh, it's a great problem to have and i hope he keeps raking because that's a hell of a find by bloom yeah and a, a guy like travis shaw kind of came out of nowhere you know he was a depth piece in triple a and and then just kind of won a, a roster spot made an impact for a couple of years and i think arroyo is going to be better than than shaw you know more consistent maybe not quite you know in, in the power department what what shaw provides and, and shaw's having a decent start out in uh in milwaukee by the way uh but but yeah so i i think I think he's going to be a mainstay. I think Cora loves him. I think Bloom loves him. And um, I, I, I I like his presence. But, Mark, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, you know, the intensity, Terry, is what you, what you talked about. And, you know, this guy will hit a double and he'll stand, you know, he'll get onto second base and he starts clapping and he starts pointing at the bench, you know, being like, let's go. Um you know, that's all you need to know about that player is that, you know, it, he's just so pumped up and, you know, he's not cool. You know, he's not being Mr. Cool guy on second base. He's pointing to the bench. He's pointing to his players. The bench is pumping him up. That's the type of team I like to see. That's the type of team we really haven't seen in two years, you know, in my, in my opinion, uh, you know, supporting each other, pointing at each other, pumping each other up. Um, you know, it's the proverbial, you know, uh, little league chant in the dugout type of thing. And and that's what I like to see. I just I think he's playing great baseball and I hope it doesn't stop. I really don't because he's a fun player to watch right now. And, you know, if he continues to, you know, have a, a really good season, puts this up uh, for the next five months. Yeah, he's under team control for the next three years after this. They might be able to actually fetch a pretty solid player in return if they want to sell high there with Jeter Downs coming up. Uh, and obviously he, they're going to give Downs every single chance to, you know, take that position since he's just got much higher pedigree. I was hoping you would not go there, but you're absolutely right. Um, there is, uh, you know, we've got a lot of depth in the infield. You, you know, you got high end depth with guys like Downs that you mentioned and, 
You got the the Jonathan Arauz type guys, um, the Jairo Munoz type guys. He's an outfielder as well. Um, so so there, there's a lot of decent uh, depth there, but um, you could you could very well see him moved uh, if not this year, maybe this winter. Uh, or whatnot. I do want to mention one thing, and I've been saving it for Job, but ever since he kind of planted the seed in my head, uh, and and he's not going to be on for uh, at least a week here, because he's in Vegas, by the way, having way more fun than us. Um, but he made an interesting point. I, I don't know if it was to me privately or, or in the group chat that we have on Twitter. Cora loves Marwin Gonzalez. He's a big Marwin guy going back to their Houston days. And Marwin's valuable in that he can play seven positions. He's clutch at times. But when you're trying to find a spot for for some people like a Santana type guy or maybe eventually a, a call up uh, for someone else, I can't see I can't see Marwin losing his spot on the team because I just think Cora loves him, and and I don't know if Bloom would override that to 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 bring someone up, and it's just uh, another another spot. Mar- Marwin's not off to a great start; he's hitting two twelve right now, and it, it is only the third week of the season. But um, so I don't know. I just. It's just something that I, I thought Job made a good point on. Any thoughts on that before we move on to the uh, Chicago preview? I think I think Marwin kind of knows his place. Uh, he's that crafty veteran right now, um, so I I don't see him losing his position just out of respect. But it's such a long season. There's going to be injuries along the way. I'm not too worried about any uh, sort of playing time or playing time qualms between these guys. Okay. Mark, any thoughts on Marwin before we move on? Yeah, I mean, right right now he's – I think at the beginning of the season when we talked about the Red Sox, you know, they were talking about how they can move guys around, right? You have Kike, you have Arroyo, you have Marwin. They can play all these different positions. Even like Bobby Dahlbeck, he can play third, he can play first, whatever. Um, I don't know. I think I think things will fall into place with him. Um, you know, whether or not he asserts himself and becomes, you know, like uh, this guy like Christian uh, Arroyo's become. At this point, I'm not, I'm not too concerned about it. I think it's going to fall into place. And, and he's right now he's teacher's pet, but um, you know, it's a long season. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, he could, he could go on a tear, right? So, like we were talking about earlier, some guys could maybe fall off a little bit, and he can come in and 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 uh, start to become a stud, or you know maybe he maybe he never picks it up. But I, I'm not concerned right now. I think he's a good piece to have um, as far as depth goes. But uh, uh, I don't think now is the time to worry too much about him. Yeah, and like Andrew said, injuries could happen, and maybe that's how some people come up. But it's it's gonna be we might never see Michael Chavis outside of a doubleheader situation, a twenty seventh man or whatever. Well, unless Dahlbeck does get taken down, but he was he was okay this series, uh, three for nine, and drove in a couple of runs that that first game, which was nice to see. Struck out uh, a a good number of times, but um, but. 
you know, didn't look terrible, I would say. Uh, all right. So Terry, I would like to, yeah, Terry, I would like to add, you know, uh, as far as Marwin Gonzalez goes, excuse me. You know, I think back to 2003 when the Red Sox had, uh, they had Kevin Millar, David Ortiz and Jason Giambi, like fighting for that first base spot. And, it, and you know, and it all kind of worked out, you know what I mean? Um, it, it all plays out where people start to find their place. Um, I think that's kind of the point of the Red Sox this year and Haim Bloom's master plan, which is bring a ton of people in, you know, create um, some competition, but have guys that are versatile and, you know, see what, see what they need at certain places. I mean, what positions are guaranteed right now? Right. I mean, Bogarts, right. I mean, yeah, yeah. Devers is your, is your starting third baseman. Uh, the outfield's all over the place, right? Um, first base is kind of all over the place. And of course you have the dual catchers, but I mean, this is a, this is a, this is a roster that's rotating. I mean, you only got really one, one or two solid spots at this point. So, I mean, I think it'll shake out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll get into the Chicago series now, and it's kind of a bummer that we lost today because we're kind of catching Chicago at the right time. They're not quite playing to their potential. Not They're not terrible, but um, you, you want to kind of catch them at a time like this versus maybe June or July when they're, they're really cranking. But here are the matchups as we go, and it could get a little wonky. That's my new favorite word that people are making fun of me for because – 85% chance of rain for Friday, so could be a rain out. But if uh, if somehow the game does happen, that's Dylan Cease versus Nick Pavetta. Dallas Keuchel goes on Saturday versus TBA. It's pretty widely expected that Tanner Houck will get a spot start in, in that series. Uh, in that start, I mean, game two. Sunday... Uh, Lucas Giolito versus Martin Perez. And then on Monday, Mr. No-Hitter, Carlos Rodon versus Nathan Eovaldi. So um, I guess getting back to game one, Cease versus Pavetta. Cease has looked okay. He's got a three-something ERA. Nick Pavetta, I I think, I mean – I'm kind of the jury for me is still out on on him. I mean, he's a back end of the rotation guy, regardless. So, but uh, Andrew, how do you see that that game going? Is it a win or a loss? I guess. I, I you know, I I like Pavetta, man. I I think that could be our uh, definitely a win for the team. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm not writing it off, but I just feel like he's walking the tightrope a little bit. He's had issues with his fastball. So he is, and you definitely don't want to make a mistake against these White Sox. <laughs> so yeah. it, this also has potential for like a twelve to nine game. <laughs> but okay. I, I hope Pavetta keeps his uh, his good start streak going. So win for you. We'll put that in the win column. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, Mark, how do you see that going, real quick? Um, I know, and Terry, you messaged me um privately about this because i i i'm not sold on pavetta and you 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 know you would say to me hey you know he's gonna surprise you and look he's pitched well i think uh cease is a more seasoned pitcher um so i'm gonna give the edge to the white Sox on that one white Sox on that one 
Um, I, I could see it going either way, really. Uh, I guess I'll lean towards uh, the Red Sox just because we do have pretty good momentum. And I like Pavetta, and, and I'm rooting for him. Um, so hopefully hopefully it's his best start so far. We saw Richards have his best start, and I, I've been pretty hard on him uh, on the show and privately. So um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Keuchel versus, uh, we'll just say it's Tanner Houck, even though it's officially still uh, TBA. Uh, Keuchel off to a kind of rough start. Andrew, how do you see that game going? You know, that that one makes me a little nervous, honestly, Houck versus that lineup. Uh, these are some really professional hitters out there. Uh, Houck is due for a uh, a clunker. If you may, I mean, I feel like he hears the noise coming from the fans clamoring for him, you know, DFI, whatever guy is a bad start, bring up Hauk. I don't know. I feel like uh, a little pressure might be building up and this might not be the best matchup for him. So you'll uh, lean Chicago? Slightly. Uh, I would give them a, I would give them a leg up in this one. Okay. Um, Keiko doesn't have great numbers at, at Fenway going back to his days as an Astro and off to a bad start. And I think we're going to see a pissed off Tanner Houck show up. Be like, yeah, you want to, you want to leave me at that alt site? I'm, I'm the third best player on the team. The third best starter, you know, that's the attitude he's going to have. And I hope he shows up and just, and just kills it. And it's hard to justify taking a starting role away from one of these guys, but I'd love to see him make the conversation uh, a lot more difficult. Um, so I kind of I kind of lean towards uh, how come that one. For me, they got some good lefty at bats in that lineup. That's what that's what gives me pause there. And right. uh, lefties are definitely the ones that can give Hawks some problems. And you mentioned he was kind of protected last uh, last fall, but actually, I skipped over Mark though. Mark, what are your thoughts on that series? Oh, that game. Um, I. I I think Dallas Keuchel is at this point, he's a, he's a name from the past. Um, he's got a 6.43 ERA right now. I think Tanner Houck uh, goes out there and uh, does his thing, pitches his game. Um, I think he, I think he strikes out 10. I think he dominates. Wow. All right. Love the confidence. Uh, all right. So game three, we have, uh, Lucas Giolito versus Martin Perez. Giolito was a popular Cy Young pick on our MLB preview show. I think three of us had him winning the AL Cy Young. Um, I think Glass now might have a say in that uh, before the year's out. But, um, Andrew, how do you see that one going? Does Perez just look stout still, or do you think we're up against I mean, him? he can look stout, but I don't see... I Giolito is one of I see him as one of the top pitchers in the league. I th- this is just one of those scheduled losses for me. I, it sucks. Uh, maybe they'll get into that bullpen. I think that's gonna be our best bet. Um, but for the innings for the starters, uh, the White Sox will win the starter innings of that game. Uh, Got to get into the bullpen and see where it goes from there. All right, Mark, your thoughts on Game Three. Um, totally agree with Andrew. I think this is one of those 
games where, you know, Martin Perez can battle all he wants, but I think with that lineup, um, they're going to give him problems. And um, I think, I think Giulio is, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's going to give the Red Sox a lot of problems. So I, I, I think that, <laughs> I think that one goes to the White Sox. Definitely. I'm going to agree with you guys. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say that the White Sox are going to win that with Giolito, but I will say this. I thought the glass now start was an automatic loss and glass now pitched very well. And then we had another ace. Oh yeah. Barrios. And that was in a, um, in a seven inning game. And he was an ace for the first three or four innings. And then we, we kind of got to him and he left the game with the bases loaded, but He's probably going to be in the top 10 for Cy Young, and we found a way to win that one. So maybe, just maybe at home, at Fenway, maybe we find a way to get to Giolito, but um, it's hard It's hard to just take Perez over him uh, on paper, uh, and, and even with, with how they've been pitching. So um, I'll, go, I'll go loss there. That is my first loss. I'm the homer of this segment, uh, apparently. Um, and then finally we have, uh, like I said, Mr. Cy Young, Carlos Rodon versus Nathan Avaldi. That's an 11 o'clock game because that's Marathon Monday, by the way. And that will not be rained out like all the other ones, uh, seem to be, uh, weather looking okay for Monday. But Andrew, how do you have, uh, that game going? Um, for the Red Sox, uh, I think. They'll win this one. Carlos Rodon, that's a lot of pitches he threw the other night this early in the season. Uh, I hate having a guy go out, you know, give it his all for that many innings and then have him come back on an early start uh, just a couple of, you know, five days later. So I'm giving it to uh, the Red Sox as long as Evaldi can keep this up. So I, I like them for at least a split in this series. Excellent. Mark, your thoughts on that final game? Yeah, you know, when, when Nathan Evaldi is healthy, I, I think he's a really, really, really good pitcher. I mean, I think he is, you know, a, a, he's not he's not an ace, but he's a, you know, he's a 2-3 guy when he's healthy and when he's, effect, you know, he's throw, pitching well and, and, and effective. I, I Marathon Monday at home, uh, you know, I know there's not going to be the runners and the, and the height there usually is, but... Um, you know, I think I think Ivaldi continues what he's been doing because uh, as long as he's healthy, he's just going to compete. I agree with you guys. Uh, I'll take I'll take Ivaldi in that um, in that matchup. Like Andrew says, a lot of uh, a lot of pitches from Rodon in that game, and you know, so there there could be a hangover effect either way, but. Um, He's like a back end of the rotation guy, hasn't he been? And, and signed late in in camp. Well, not necessarily camp, but late in the hot stove season. Well, yeah, I mean, he was DFA'd by them, but uh, his fastball velocity is up eight miles an hour from last year. You uh, showing why he was a top five pick um, by that same team. So he he got his stuff back. <laughs> yeah, I just he's a guy that I, I just remember struggling. So. Might be peeing in some cups by the sounds of it. <laughs> I, I was just about to say, is he going to going to see anyone in the clinic down in Miami or anything? What's going on with that? Yeah. <laughs> I just watched that the other day, by the way. Did you see that documentary, Screwball? 
No, oh, no, I haven't. Oh, it's all about the biogenesis scandal. On it's on Netflix. Yep. It's phenomenal. It's like ninety minutes. I'll check it out. It's got the whistleblower who I've had on this podcast actually, yep. Porter Fisher, right. and and uh, it's just phenomenal. But listen to this podcast that was a first. Great episode, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know, we're basically uh, around the uh, target end time. So I guess we'll wrap on that. But it's looking kind of like a a split series. Uh, All three of us on the last show coming into the twin series had it a split and the Red Sox found a way to win an extra game. So I kind of hope that continues. I, I know, Mark. I listened to one of your final episodes before the season started, and you're you're kind of you were more on the pessimistic side, like me. I said seventy eight wins. I don't know what your total was, but the more seventy seven. Oh, seventy seven. Yeah. So same thing. Seventy seven. The more of these games we can just bank, we can just bank some wins. The the better off we're going to be, especially if you yep. can get to Chris Sale. And I boldly picked the Yankees to miss the playoffs. And they are not looking like a playoff team. They have no pitching in that rotation, no real quality pitching, and I think they're going to be hurting in the bullpen here pretty quick. So in Toronto, I don't know if you saw it. They just put their second closer on the DL today, and he's Romano's going to be out for weeks. Merriweather's not going to be out that long, but Romano's going to be out for weeks. Wow, and it's their third closer actually. If you want to uh, add Yates in there, oh, true. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I think I saw Stripling got put on the uh, the the injured list as well, so they uh, could be hurting as well. I'm looking forward to them because they're going to be a, that's going to be a great test for guys like like Richards and Pavetta, and if they can handle that lineup with all their offense, then then my confidence in them goes up. So, and I know we have a series uh, with them coming up in the next week or two, so. Uh, For the listening audience, we will be back. We'll have the next regular show on Monday night, uh, typically it's Sunday, but there are a few four-game sets that um, we'll call for a Monday show, and uh, this week is one of them. We, I may decide to come on for a bonus segment uh, if one is... uh, you know, if one makes sense before then. So I guess just kind of be on the lookout. Also, I never mentioned this. Check out our YouTube channel. Zach Tabak is the host of that show. We have a couple of different formats on that. So um, you can find more content there. Uh, Take care, everyone.